every day on the big show. What? Gordon and Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, where we check in with the big stories, big opinions that are going on uh, across the Zone Sports Network. And, of course, on Thursday mornings, Joe Ingles jumps on for the Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. And it's always must-listen uh, must radio, Gordon. Of course, not because of DJ and PK, but, but Joe Ingles. Ah, because of both. All three. <laughs> a little joke there, Gordon. You know, a little jab at the other show, and that's all. I'm not, you know. I heard, I heard, I heard. I'm sure they were laughing Along with you, not trying to attack anyone, just just making a joke. You know, Sound you've heard the to me. you've heard the intro for the segment, right? Uh, yeah. Where it says with DJ PK, and then it says who, you know, yeah. making that that joke. Well, I see. So you're you're joining in on the self-deprecation. See, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, all right, should we let's let's get to a couple of highlights from Joe, and he covered a lot of ground. The whole interview is up at 1280thezone.com if you want to give it a listen. Um, but we mentioned with Sam Gordon the phone call going down with the players and the commissioner and Michelle Roberts, the head of the Players Association, and here's Joe talking about what he wants to hear on that phone call. Um, I really just want like the one simple yes or no really to what I think um, time's the same as most other people um, just what the obviously if we're going to play or not it's, um, I think for us and for, obviously I understand it from the fans point of view and, and, and a lot of people who are employed and their, their job is obviously a part of of us playing games Um yeah, I just want to know if we're going to play or not. I think it would be nice to have that answer, if, uh, yes or no, if we if we are or not. So I don't know that the commissioner can give you that specific answer. Well, who can? You, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Can you take general guidelines as far as that goes? Would that be good enough? No, I want a yes or a no. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put him on the spot. I need a yes or no right now, Mr. Adam. All right. (laughs) It'd be great if we can get it. I just don't know if he could. If he can, then that's awesome. No, I think it's, yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think it's obviously a bit of an update or whatever that we're getting. And, um, yeah, it would just be be nice to, to know a bit of what's going on. Don't you feel like the answer is probably almost certainly yes, but he can't completely guarantee it? I mean, I, I, like I said before, I, to me, the longer this goes on, I see it the other way, or like the harder it is to get back. Because it's just, uh, I don't know, we're not, we're not just going back to our jobs, which is no disrespect to people who sit in the office or something like that, but we're not just going, I'm not going back to a desk job, or I'm not going back like... It takes so much time to prepare, and obviously, like they've spoken about, if we if we do go back, the um, the timing or whatever it is of fourteen uh, fourteen days of like quarantine, and like I think it was a twenty five day guideline more or less. Um, 
to to what we would have to do to prepare. Like that's still if we got to do that on top of like what we've already waited, it's a long time. Um, still, even even if he came out tomorrow and says we we are playing, we're still like six, maybe like, I think minimum like six weeks from actually playing, which is a long time. Gordon, your uh, your initial reaction. Joe wants an absolute uh, answer so he can plan his life. He's not going to get it. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to get it, and he knows that. But can you imagine being a? If I were in his shoes, I would want to know too, man. Are we going to do it or are we not? You know, we all want to know that to a certain extent, right? Right. But for a player, uh, does he need to keep working out? Does he need how sharp does he need to stay? In the case of a guy like Joe, can he go home? Can he not go home? And by home, I mean you know to a different country. Uh, it's he's he's stuck in limbo. And I understand a lot of people are stuck in limbo, and I get that. But you can see the frustration as far as keeping his body finely tuned and ready to go should the call come. Yeah, I get his frustration too, but I, I also think that a lot of people are frustrated in a similar yeah. uh, similar way. And, you know, if, if you're so – and I, I don't mean to speak to Joe personally here, but, you know, if you're so desperate for a yes or no answer, I mean – you know, right now, what if the answer is no, but it could be a yes, you know? I, it's tough. It's tough to be so definitive right now. That's why I think they're asking players to be flexible or they will ask them on that on that phone call tomorrow. Maybe a little bit of, of light at the end of the tunnel, like being able to go to the facility, maybe that'll help pacify a little bit. But the truth is, I mean, it, it, you really want to get a definitive no right now or can we keep the door open a little bit to a possibility? Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> I, you make a great point, Jake. Everybody has to stay flexible. Everybody is in an uncomfortable position right now. Most people, there might be some who aren't, but and some are really on the edge of their seats in stressful situations that that make uh, the uncertainty of an NBA player kind of pale in comparison. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think it's just something we're we're all living with, and I'm not I'm not trying to down play Joe's feelings on the matter because I think a lot of us share share those feelings, right? It's just there's it's just reality right now unfortunately. It just Here's my, what I wonder about it though, Jake, is that uh how many NBA players are in that position of discomfort and are just letting themselves go a little bit? Some are. You know. Some are. And, and you know what? I, I wouldn't even blame some. I don't know where, where folks have chosen to spend this time. I mean, what if your you know, home is in Manhattan? What are you supposed to do? Yeah. I just wonder what if, if they do somehow, by some miraculous set of circumstances, find it safe to proceed, what, what kind of problems are going to come with that? And even on teams that are contending teams. I wonder if there are key players who have not been able to keep themselves in tip-top form. We've heard about the Jazz having these uh, what these group Zoom uh, workouts and whatnot, um, and people have talked about needing a couple of weeks, if at least, to uh, try and get themselves back into form. But there is being in shape, and then there is NBA shape, and then on top of that is postseason shape, and those are pretty drastic ratchets upward toward a, a high level. And I wonder what would happen if guys are out there competing and they're, they look kind of like your, your typical run down at the gym. 
Well, I think Joe in, included that in his comment where he says that they just, you know, can't turn it on. I mean, you've got to prepare. Yeah. And I think that's part of what he's talking about. And you, you're going to have to take that into account. There's going to well, have to be some Well, where's your baseline sort of for preparation, Jake? I mean, what... It's one. Thing. I think generally, when guys are preparing for the season to start, they they are already on a slow ascent. Uh, where are they right now? Like you said, there are some guys who haven't been able to do anything over the past two months, and if that's been their state, then that isn't going to be easily ramped up in two weeks. I uh, I could see guys uh, being vulnerable to or susceptible to all kinds of uh, negative things. If that is, in fact, the case. And like you said, in some of the situations, it's not even their fault. They're doing what they should be doing by staying home. Well, I mean, there's there's a great quote, and I think they put it on Hanson Scotty from uh, Kyle Whittingham when he did his Zoom media availability a couple of weeks ago where he talked about ideally we'd have six to eight weeks to get ready for uh, for the season. But, hey, when I uh, uh, when I played, it was after spring, we'll see you at two-a-days, you know? And they, they prepared in five weeks or something like that, where he's saying, or four weeks. And, and he basically said, it's not ideal, but I did it, so it could be done. I mean, this might be a back-in-my-day kind of thing, like where, you know what, you get your Oster tags into fall camp and you've got to whip them into shape as quickly as you possibly can. But isn't that a little hard to believe that Kyle Whittingham would just be sitting around pounding like three pizzas every night and, and, and being completely sedentary? I I think even back in the day, guys were kind of keeping themselves. Well, it's not apples. It, it's not apples to oranges, Gordon, because, no, Kyle Whittingham wasn't, you know, inside one particular dwelling 24-7 in between those. His, his point was just... Yeah. They didn't have the summer conditioning workouts, you know, and the programs and the monitoring by the strength and conditioning coach and the, the, the player-led practices and all these things that they do today to help keep them in shape. They showed up after living life for a few months and had to get into shape quickly. And I bet that period of time of getting into shape was fairly painful. Oh, I'm sure it was <laughs> awful. And, and I'm sure it'll be awful for, uh, for some of these players. But, I mean, like we said, Gordon, flexibility. you got to do what you got to do. Now, it, with it being reasonable, di- of course. I- yeah, and as it pertains to the competition and level of competition, that would be sort of a wild card, wouldn't it? Because you might have your teams that were have established themselves as the better teams, but in the meantime, under these really strange circumstances, who has been able to, who's been fortunate enough to keep themselves in in the best shape, and how would that affect results on a court? Uh, that would be a real wild card. Well, let's move on, Gordon, because I, I really want to get to this next cut, and I really want to talk about your column that's currently up at sltrib.com. Let's get a little more from Joe here. And the, the conversation steered toward how Gordon Hayward would have fit with this particular roster. For me, it would have been a huge, I, I think definitely a couple less, less shots, a couple less positions with the ball in my hand, but I think Donovan's um, development would have been slowed down a little bit. Uh, he might not have been like an all-star this year. He, I think he had he, he showed us all from his rookie year. He had the potential to, to be an all-star and, and be kind of what he is for us now, regardless. But um, I don't think it would have hurt our team or them either of those guys individually as much as what maybe people would have thought because they're still if you think about a lot of teams with, with Steph and Clay and like with those kind of two man combos that a lot of teams have 
they start the game together, but they spend they the, a lot of their other minutes are out there by themselves. So they Donovan might have come off, and Gordon would have stayed on with with me and Rudy and whoever, and then Donovan, uh, Rudy, uh, sorry, Gordon would go off, and Donovan would come back on, and um, so I think they still would have both been really effective and then obviously having them on the court together would have been unreal and a couple of shooters around them and whatever whoever it would have been Mike or Ricky or whoever at the time um, I think everyone like you said not just me but everyone else would have sacrificed a little bit I think we all would have been given up a shot or two or a possession or two with the ball um, but I don't think overall it would have um, hurt our team I think it would have been a really good thing and obviously we have moved on and we're um, we are who we are now um, I think Gordon leaving definitely gave me the ball more than, than what I was ever expecting and um, but it wouldn't have like you said I mean you guys know me it wouldn't have bothered me if I was taking less possessions and we were winning more games and, and playing deep in the finals and all that so um, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about what would have happened I think like I said I think they both would have like obviously Gordon was an all-star Donovan um, still would have been who Donovan was I think the, the thing about Donovan is people and you guys know and like Donovan's uh, from his first year to now his his passing and creating is, is, is really good his first year probably not so much and, and he would agree with that um but he watches film and he learns and having those two out there together with like I said with some shooters around I think it would have been would have been pretty dangerous Gordon, I always thought, and and Joe alluded to this a little bit, but but made it seem minor. I I I thought that Hayward being on the Jazz at the same time of, as Donovan would have stunted his growth. See, I I'm not sure I buy into that completely. See, Donovan, would, I, I thought he splashed so quickly because he shot away. He came in and was allowed because they needed it. Yeah, but they might have. He may also have developed some bad habits in the meantime. Yeah, bad I mean, habit like scoring twenty a game. Well, yeah, but he, there, you know, being a little more selective with his shots probably wouldn't have hurt him that much. It might have cost him some points, but I'm not sure it would have stunted his growth. In fact, it may have guided his growth. I don't know. I'm guessing on that, but I think Gordon Hayward had an attitude when he was here. But if he had been able to keep that under control, uh, I think the Jazz would be better with him than without him. Well, he is a good player. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Certainly at his peak, uh, his final year here with the Jazz, his his all-star year. Uh, but I wonder I've heard how an that w- awful lot. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I just wonder how that would have impacted Donovan's growth. I mean, he, Hayward kind of set the tone for the locker room with those teams. Yeah, I, I, I've heard it said an awful lot that it would have uh, been detrimental to uh, the development of certain players on the Jazz, and I, I, I understand what's being said. I'm just not sure that I buy into it completely. I mean, it, it, I think Donovan was going to be Donovan regardless, and he may have put up fewer shots, but I think it may have helped him become more efficient. And it would have helped the Jazz at times uh, if if uh, Gordon had been able to continue his trajectory in a positive direction for the club. That fewer shots for Donovan wouldn't necessarily have been a bad thing. Gordon, let's move on and what's going on because I want to get to your column today because you told a, a story I'd never heard before. 
Yes, uh, I had not heard it either until it was brought to my attention by uh, one of the perps. If you want to read the column, it's uh, posted at sltrib.com. It's a funny story uh, about a kid who was a a decent basketball player, but he had uh, uh, gone on an LDS mission and uh, had uh, been away from the game a little bit, but he came back to Utah, and he was a student at the University of Utah, but then uh, he had to drop out for a semester because he had jaw surgery. And in the meantime, he found out that they were having a tryout for walk-ons at the University of Utah and Jim Boylan's first year as head coach there. And so he wanted to try out, but he was not a, a student at the time. But his brother, who happened to be an identical twin, was a full-time student at the University of Utah. And so he didn't want to miss his opportunity to try out. So he had his identical twin brother sign up for him. And then he showed up pretending to be his brother at the tryout. And as it turned out, uh, you can read the column with all the details, he made the team. (laughs) <laughs> Under his brother's name. Under his brother's name. And so he uh, initially he was cut, but then Boylan called him back and said, I want you to be at practice. Uh, we want you. And so he went to practice, and uh, he, uh, was, uh, he had to uh, undergo a physical and, uh, you know, go through the clearinghouse and uh, make the process legit. And he was sitting there watching practice, waiting for the physical that he had to take. And Boylan was in one of those moods on that day, and he was screaming at his players for their mistakes. And this this uh, player, who was an imposter, started to think, wait a second, what's going to happen if they find out that I'm not who I say I am? Would the program be uh, face NCAA sanctions? Uh, he would have to take the physical, as I said, under his brother's name. And they had done switcheroos in the past, you know, taking science tests or math tests for one another and all that sort of thing. But in this particular case, he started getting cold feet because of the ramifications. Now, his brother, whose name he was using uh, as as a, a youth basketball player, Thought he should have kept the ruse going, but he chickened out. And so he asked the coach if he could talk to him after practice, after he had made the team. And he went up to his office and explained to him that he wasn't John. His name was Matt, and he was pretending to be his twin brother. And he thought Boylan was going to pitch a fit, and Boylan's reaction surprised him. And uh, anyway, it's a funny story about how uh, you've heard stories about identical twins switching places from time to time, have you not, Jake? I have. This is taking it to the nth degree, and it's uh, a story I, ha- I was unaware of until Matt, who is the brother who was pulling off the ruse, uh, brought it to my attention. So I thought it was a worthwhile read, so I told the story. Wow, I mean that's that goes to some great extent to try out for the team. Good for him, I guess. Hey, what he he probably thought he'd never make it. He did not think he would make it. He was surprised. 
and uh, never expected it to go quite as far as it did. But he was a Ute, and he was a, kind of officially, unofficially, officially a Ute for one day, and then he dropped the bomb on Jim. Did Jim cut him? Well, Jim obviously said you can't be on the team if you're not a student at the University of Utah. No, so, so Jim cut that, him. But what what that, happened but they, when he got enrolled again? Well, that that's a part of the story I didn't include. But he the following year, I mean, when he was a, a full time student, he he did go out for the team again. But then he decided he was a senior at that point, and he just didn't think uh, it was worth the commitment to uh, continue on, even if he did make it. He wasn't sure whether Jim was going to hold that against him the second time around. But uh, but anyway. He did. Uh, he did kind of pull that uh, that uh, switcheroo on on Jim Boylan and fold him. And Boylan ultimately thought it was pretty funny. My brother and I did something similar once. What did you do? I went to work for my brother one day. He uh, he had a, I can't remember if he had a play practice or a class lab or something. He couldn't go to work, and all he did all he did was fill the waters at a Chinese restaurant around on the tables. And so I went to work for him one day and did the job just fine and went home. Now, it wasn't like we were pretending I was him, but there was an older gentleman that worked there that thought it was the, my brother was at work that day. But it was really me. Wow. Now, today, we look nothing alike. We would never work today. But I, uh, did, you, I, did you look alike then? Yeah. Looked a lot alike then. Yeah, for sure. I've never pulled that. I don't, I don't look like anybody. Yeah, you 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 bruised yourself as a offensive coordinator at Utah State for six years or whatever. It was. Oh yeah, that's true. I, I could have uh, with Coach Yost. We yeah. could have we could have switched things up. Do you think there are identical twins out there who actually like uh, fool their girlfriends and that sort of thing? Why would they want to? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't far? think I would. I would be saying like. Why don't you go out with my brother? That doesn't seem like that would make any sense. No, but I, what if one of the twins filled in for his brother on a date? I wouldn't want my brother anywhere near my date. <laughs> like, what purpose does that serve? You, you have your brother take your test for you. That makes sense. Maybe he's better at science. <laughs> Why would I want my brother to take well, uh, my, my best girl out on the town? Well, maybe he's more romantic. Maybe he could impress her. In your state. I don't want him to impress her. Well, yeah, but you could. You're opening. You're you could, opening a really no. awkward door here, Gordon. Then you could switch back. And well, again, uh, what, I don't understand the advantage here. Well, maybe it would help set the hook. Not that I'm. But then, aren't you creating uh, a relationship oh. under false pretenses? Isn't that something that you always claim you're against? Well, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not condoning it. I'm just wondering if anybody's ever done it. I bet I bet it has happened. Hey, go impress this girl for me because you're better at that than I am. And then I'll I'll uh, move move the whole thing forward from there. Why wouldn't the brother just impress the girl for himself? That seems like the direction you're going. Uh, well, <laughs> there, there could be that complication. But maybe you maybe think? the maybe the identical twin brother doesn't really like that girl, but you need a little bit of a hand. Nope. 
No? No, I don't think so. Uh -uh. Well, again, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying I wonder if anybody's tried it. I want to remind you of our friends at uh, RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy, Brickstone, and Stucco Exteriors, along with Soffit Fish and Rain Gutters. Check them out. RGSUtahSiding.com. Coming up next, Stuart Mandel of The Athletics. So stay tuned for that. The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go, Tony Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from The Athletic, he covers college football. He is Stuart Mandel with us back on The Big Show. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Great. How are you? Hey, we're we're doing great. Just trying to kind of navigate through all the news like everybody else, I think. And there is a lot of news out there about college football and perhaps what could happen across conferences. How, um, I guess, start here. How confident are you that we're going to have college football in some way, shape or form? I think we'll have college football in some shape or form. I just don't know when it will start, whether everybody will be able to play. Um, when and uh, and what form? How many games people are going to play? I mean, I think all that is up in the air, and obviously uh, impossible to predict right now because we just don't know what's going to happen with the virus in our country. But um, there's too much at stake for them to not try to find a way to play some form of college football season, even if that means a delayed college football season. All the different universities and their football programs, obviously, then are. Are, are subject or beholden to different uh, governments, essentially. And so that's what makes it so tricky, right, Stuart? And do you think that there will be enough continuity to make it happen, like you just said? Yeah, it's so complicated. I mean, really, the, for professional sports, for like the NBA and the NFL, it's a pretty finite group of people who are making the decision what to do with their season. It's basically the commissioner and the owners, maybe a few others. But in college... Um, you're talking about in the mostly public universities uh, that are tied into their state governments. You're talking about 130 different schools, university presidents, ADs. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I will say that I think where we'll, we'll almost sure, uh, presumably see a lot of differences from one region or one state to another is when it comes to the issue of whether fans can attend games. And the Oregon governor just today announcing that that, that can't happen until at least through September. Um, but that's different than the decision of whether they're actually going to play football, whether it's safe for the players and coaches and staff members to um, play, whether or not there are fans in the stands. I think those decisions will largely be made by the schools themselves. I think it seems likely that uh, we'll see different conferences do their own things and make their own decisions. But is it possible that even within a conference, we could see certain universities not play, but certain play? 
At first, I didn't think a conference would do that, um, but we've certainly seen comments. I mean, Mandy Staples and I interviewed six of the commissioners uh, this week for a story, and two of them, Mike Oresco and Bob Bowlesby, uh, expressed pretty openly that they thought if it were a situation where most of the schools were ready to play but a couple weren't, that they would play. Um, I think that they would get you might get some strained relationships out of that, but the general sentiment is there's so much riding on being able to play these games that they're not going to hold everybody back if one or two schools can't do it. I think it's a different situation if half your conference can't play, obviously. But if it's, for for example, in the ACC, and this is where realignment and expansion and how you know vast the territory a lot of these conferences cover now comes into effect. But the ACC, most of the schools are in the South, and those states are reopening right now. But two of them are Boston College and Syracuse, and and they're you know they're, those states are in no hurry to come back. So um, would they let those two hold back the other twelve? You know, I don't think they would. What does this mean for interconference play, and uh, what does it mean for situations where you have contracts in place uh, for games with uh, not just out of conference teams, but uh, for teams independent teams? I think the, the well, the independent teams, you know, Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, their AD, talked about this the other day, seems pretty confident that um, there would still be a, a way for them to play their schedule. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if this doesn't end up becoming a basically a made-for-TV season with no fans in the stands, obviously TV is going to have a very best interest in Notre Dame still being a part of it. So uh, I think it would be tougher for some of the other independents that don't have that that national clout. Um, and I think what's so challenging right now is everybody's focused on the first week. You know, are we going to be able to practice in July? Are we going to be able to kick off on September 5th? What makes it so much more complicated is even if all the things fall into place to make that happen, we just don't know there's going to be another outbreak in the fall and everybody would have to, and it would grind to a halt and everybody would have to put it on hold. Um, I think everybody in college athletics right now is hoping, you know, right now it's early May. You don't really have to make any firm decisions probably till closer to July 1st. And they're just really hoping that over the next two months, there'll just be a lot more clarity around um, whether a lot of these things are practical uh, from a medical standpoint. How devastating would it be to some athletic departments if they don't get football in some way, shape, or form? And I, I'm thinking more like G5-type programs that depend so much on the revenue. You know, it's interesting. Everybody kind of brings up the G5 or the FCS, but I actually think this is a rare instance where the, the more powerful football school you are, the more it's going to hurt your bottom line because um, if, if we're talking about, okay, fans can't be in the stands this fall, that's going to be a lot more lost revenue for Ohio State because 100,000 people in the stands every week than for a Mac school that maybe has 10,000 people in the stands every week. Um, frankly, a lot of those group of five schools rely heavily on um, the university to help fund them, and that's a whole other issue where you know universities are going to suffer obviously tremendously uh, because of the pandemic. But uh, you know, if you're sitting there, you're Alabama, you're Ohio State. There's no, uh, there's just no scenario where you can replace 85% of your budget um, for the for for a year. Um, football truly does drive almost the entire athletic department, even at those high-level uh, Power 5 schools. 
Will there be scenarios where there are football programs who are operating at full speed ahead at campuses where the students aren't there? You know, we've seen some uh, some changing rhetoric around that as well. I know when the commissioners had their call with the vice president a few weeks ago, uh, they said on that call and they came out and said afterward, at least a couple of them, uh, if, if we're not going to have college football, college players are students too. We're not going to have games unless students are back on campus. But lately I've seen that change to, well, probably most schools are not going to be able to fully reopen this fall. So at least if some of the students are on campus. And then just today I saw somebody say, uh, well, maybe they don't need to have these students at all. That last one doesn't seem likely to me. Um, if you're at a school in a place where uh, it's such a hot spot that they don't think any student should be coming back for in-person classes, then I don't see how you can tell the football players. Um, but you have to come back. Uh, and, and I don't think a lot of the players would want to come back in that scenario. But I do, I do see what, for instance, Larry Scott was saying the other day when we talked to him for our story that it's just 80,000 students are not going to be back at Arizona State this fall. There's just no way. It's going to be a phased-in approach. And I think in, a, in, in an ideal world, some students would come back. Um, maybe some would stay home. Even the ones that do come back may still do some of their uh, large lecture hall classes online. Um, so it's just it's just going to be a very unusual year, to say the least. And it's affecting entire universities, not just athletics. If somehow we were fortunate enough to uh, still have college football this year, what's the biggest storyline in the Pac-12 in your mind? Good question. Well, I haven't actually had to think about football in a while. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that the USC angle fascinates me. Um, I know that Clay Helton job watch has been a soap opera for two years now, but the reality with USC going into this year, yes, he's probably still on the hot seat, but they could actually be pretty good. Um, they, they found a star quarterback last year in Keaton Slovis, and most of his receivers come back. Um, most of the defense comes back. They were really injured last year, and he made some really good hires. So um, while the U, it's just it's a very unique situation. Most of the USC fan base, if not all, have lost faith in Clay Helton. You know, long time ago. Don't see him as the coach of the future. They play Alabama the first game. They're worried that could get ugly. But that doesn't mean USC couldn't still win the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon will obviously be really good, but you know, you look at the rest of the conference. New coaches at the two Washington schools. Utah has a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, there's not a lot of other obvious challengers to me, at least on paper, than Oregon and SC. How adaptable is college football to the point where a season could get started and then there could be an intermission and the rest of it could be pushed back? And how expensive would that be, Stu? It's hard to... Um, it's hard to answer that without knowing kind of what the other sports will be doing at that point, too. I mean, this could be a huge logistical challenge for the networks if um, sports get shut down and they come back three weeks later and the schedule is completely different and, you know, they have contracts that they need to fill and suddenly there aren't enough spots on TV. I don't know how all that works. But I think colleges would be adaptable. They wouldn't really have a choice otherwise. I think the issue would be, and, and I I've said this when it comes to any scenarios where you're pushing games in past January, um, is, that, is the NFL will still hold a draft next spring. The NFL, at, to this point, is the one league that has just operated business as usual, and I, I don't think they will uh, have anybody tell them otherwise. 
And so the more the season gets delayed, to me, the more likely it is that, that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, they don't have anything left to prove, that they would then shut it down uh, and start getting ready for the draft and not risk injury. And, and frankly, by the time you get to – if it truly is a spring sport and you get to February, March, April, a lot of uh, draft guys, seniors or top juniors or draft prospects would have to shut it down. And So it would be pretty chaotic for the coaches in terms of managing their roster. Guys might be – you know, available early in the season who aren't available later in the season. You might have, I could see where um, out of necessity, they would have to let the freshmen who are enrolling this coming January, who haven't even signed yet, uh, to play next season. So it's just going to be chaos is the best way to put it. But uh, what choice do they have? Like they can't, not playing football season, I keep saying it, it's just not an option. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at SL Mandel and, of course, follow all of his great work at theathletic.com. Uh, Stuart, we want to thank you for jumping on the show as always. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, in fact, editor in chief of their college football coverage. And uh, always he's a the pleasure. Big boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's great. He's been doing a great job for years and years. And to think about it, he brought up something there that I hadn't really given as much thought to, and that is the flexibility not just of the people involved with the, with the programs, but the flexibility required by the networks to be able to jump around and, and make adjustments and, and, and uh, make the schedule work with all the other balls in the air with other sports. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I bet they'd figure it out, though. Well, football's king, right? Yeah, right, and college football is a is a big draw for everybody. So, I, I mean, there's there's roadblocks and barriers and all this sort of stuff, Gordon. I, the other thing that is interesting to think about, and this goes for up across the board for all sports, but football maybe in particular. How strange is it the setting of college sports where you have the game going on, but you have absolutely no one in the stands. Well, it might be a reality. You heard what he said about California and Oregon today. So Right. Right. I mean, I mean it's 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 an, an idea that that where the importance of what's going on on the field, well as important as anything is these days relative to the overall public health, but the enormity of games that look like scrimmages, but they are indeed impactful, important games that create opportunity or preclude opportunity for whatever comes uh, a program's way with nobody in the stands. That's, that's just, I know we're living in weird times, but that in this, in the, that picture in your mind is, is kind of strange to think about. Speaking of opportunity, now is the opportunity to save a bunch of money. Joining us, uh, our good friend Tom from The Warehouse. Two locations for you, 86 East University Parkway in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. What's going on, Tom? Well, we're uh, prepping for Mother's Day. Big uh, weekend to take care of the ladies in our lives, the mother of our children, and if you're a child, your mother. So we're blowing out our adjustable beds. We've got the queen adjustable bed with the mattress, the entire package, only $499. Then if you want to step up and get a a, a nicer, call it incredibly nice with all the features, how about 24 massage settings, 
adjustable head and feet. It's got LEDs. It's got a USB to charge your phone and a gel-infused latex hybrid. The entire package, only $12.99. But that's not all. How about a California King Sealy Second Mattress with box spring and a headboard, footboard, and frame, the entire package. This is the best deal, Jake, I've ever done. Normally, the mattress and box spring is $499. How about including the bed up to a $400 value? The entire package is only $499. And last but not least, if you're looking for the King adjustable bed, I've got the King Solid King mattress. This is a gel-infused memory foam mattress. With the adjustable motorized base, the entire package, only $9.99. We're going to give you some more specials next hour. Remember, if you mention Gordon or Jake or The Big Show, we'll give you free sheets or mattress protector, your choice within the adjustable bed purchase this weekend. Come and see us. We're at the warehouse. Boom. Thanks, Tom. 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Not Sports Port is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. As Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, we're going uh, north to Canada and we're going to India as well. Let me give you the story from Canada, I believe it was first. Apparently a man showed up at a Dunkin' Donuts store. And he uh, was doing what Austin does in the studio. He wasn't wearing any pants. Hmm. Now, I know we live in a time where, you know, you want people to wear masks. You want people to wear gloves. You want people to wear protective gear. You want people to stay six feet away. But in this case, the man was not wearing pants. Don't think you can do that, Gordon, regardless of the situation. No, he was promptly uh, arrested for that forgetfulness. Did he give a reason? How often have you gone out and you just thought, you know, I got my car keys, I got my wallet. Oh, I, I forgot my pants. Did he have underwear on? I don't know. I didn't look at the picture close enough to. I think he was bucking. I think he had nothing. Huh. I not keep even, my underwear not even a thin line of gabardine that was protecting him from <laughs> uh, the world. I'll, could, I'll tell you a funny story about one of my buddies. Uh, we were in, in Vegas at a bachelor party, and we had gone to a hotel's pool, but it was our last day there, so everybody had packed everything. We didn't really plan on going to the pool. And <laughs> my friend Dan really wanted to swim, and so he stripped down to his underwear uh, and, and tried to get into the pool. Well, the, the lifeguard says you, you've got to have a swimsuit. You can't just get in the pool in your underwear. And he said, really? Uh, so they said, yeah. So we went into the, the pool shop area and bought <laughs> their smallest Speedo 
<laughs> and it was worse than his underwear. And way worse. And then went back over to that lifeguard and said, is this okay? And, and the lifeguard said, yeah. Oh, that's really? yeah. what's the difference? <laughs> that, they got fifty six seventy five out of him. I think it? that was the the point he was trying to make was this was yeah. much more revealing, but yet this is fine. I said, yeah, uh, Jake. When was the last time you wore a speedo? Been a long time. Austin, uh, high school. Really? Yeah. You sported a speedo in high school? Yeah, went to Lake Powell with all my buddies and decided it'd be funny. We all bought speedos, and that's what we did. How'd that work out for you? No, you know, no comment. All right, and then there is what this about story. you? Oh, oh it's he been, won't answer. It's yeah, uh, answer. I, I probably probably grade school. You know, because why? Well, I don't know. The last time I did was probably middle school, and that's because I was on the swim team. It's freeing, uh, man. I tell you, it's freeing. Freeing. <laughs> Did you uh, did you uh, wear anything under the uh, speedo? No. Were, were you wearing a jock or anything? What would you what, wear what under year a speedo? Is this? Yeah. What are you talking about? Get, where do you? Uh... Yeah, I had my jean shorts on underneath my <laughs> my speedo. <laughs> and then there's uh, before I, I don't want that image in my mind. I'm just trying to you exercise asked. it completely. But. Uh, it's been, a, I mean, uh, really, uh, is that a European thing now? What? Jean shorts under the Speedo? No, just, just the, you know, the, the little teeny, like, you know, G-string bathing <sighs> suit that men, hairy men wear over there. Is uh, there another okay. story here? Yeah, let's Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about animals this week, but there was a break-in at an ATM in Delhi, uh, and turns out it was a monkey. A monkey broke into an ATM and uh, pulled the cash out and ran off. Now, I, I don't know what that monkey's up to. I don't know what he's going to do with a bunch of singles. But uh, I call it monkey business. Ugh. And singles? How do you? What a single? What does that have to do with anything? And how do you know what what the, what the bill was? I just assume they were, but. How many, how many times what? you get singles out of an yeah. ATM? Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know. I you don't use the be... ATM all that often, do you, Gordon? Oh, and you got the gold card. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not the gold card. It's the black card that really is the good one. My bad. Singles. Why, what, what, how's that relevant? I don't you know. You can get are you, are you an ATM? No, you can't. And are you <laughs> are you implying that the, the monkey is going to use the singles in the traditional way? Is that why you said that, making an offhanded joke there? It was kind of a joke, but I don't know. Maybe you can make it rain. What do you mean? I don't you, know. You think you can get singles from an ATM? You, you can't, can't get, get singles, singles from a skee-ball machine. Right. Wait, you, an can't ATM. Get, you can't get singles out of an ATM? No. no. What do you, you just get fives and tens and twenties? You can't get fives and tens either. You can't? No. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only twenties? That's the smallest denomination? That's at the ATMs most, I've been to in my ATMs entire life. Right, ever. <laughs> Since 85. <laughs> okay. 
This is how uh, I also know that that Gordon's never lived paycheck to paycheck because remember when you'd go to the ATM just praying you'd have more than twenty dollars so you'd be able to get take it out. At yeah. least give me a twenty dollar bill. At least yeah. I just need twenty one dollars in the account. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Did you, did you really think that? Oh yeah, every pay Constantly. period. Yeah, maybe when you're in college, but not since then. <laughs> Five I, or six years after it, too. I worked in radio during the Great Recession. There yeah, you go. <laughs> happened a lot. And I started in radio in the Great Recession. <laughs> can you borrow from the ATM? I mean, can you? If you overextend, will it give you the money? You ever heard of a line of credit? So, so you can do that. You can take out more than you have. Like if you had, it certainly if you needed, de- depends on your checking. Look, account. we'll we'll give you econ one hundred and one after the break. Yeah. Huh? It, all right. All right. I just you know, uh, I, I I just wondered if Jake really needed that twenty dollars, but he only had eighteen in his account. You can't get it out of an ATM. It's not coming out. Huh? No. I'd like well. sixteen dollars in ones, Mister ATM. <laughs> I keep talking to this thing, and it's not spitting out any signals. It gives me 20s. I don't know. Have you ever broken into an ATM, Austin? Uh, No. All right. Just wondering. I was just wondering if he did what this monkey did. Got away with with some singles. All right. Mike Snarr is coming up next. He has a book out about the Utah Jazz. Uh, He worked for uh, the the franchise for almost 30 years. We'll talk to him about uh, his journey as well as the journey of the Jazz franchise. It's all straight ahead here on The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.